instinctively in the storms, the literal storms of life. I'm talking about the, the thunder and lightning of life, like we're kind of preparing for possibly this afternoon. Um, we instinctively know to, to take shelter, to get someone safe. I don't have to say to you, hey, the weather might be bad today. It might be a good idea if you get inside. You know, I don't, I don't think I need to make that announcement. We, we instinctively know that. We've all known probably what it's like to be caught in the weather and to need to seek, to seek shelter. I remember the most vivid story I, I can remember of that in my own life, or at least one of them, I should say, was as a, a high school football player. And we were out one afternoon practicing, and in Florida, you get used to, especially in August and September, and that time of year, you get used to storm clouds on the horizon. It's, a, you know, an afternoon occurrence. And uh, we were out there practicing, and there were some clouds just kind of on the periphery there. And I remember talking with some of my teammates after this, comparing notes, something happened that we didn't process at the time, but we felt some vibration on the metal clips in our helmets. You know what that meant, right? We didn't know what that meant, but a split second later, we knew what that meant because the lightning strike crashed down. And um, in that moment, you know, as, a, as an, you know, in, in athletics or in a lot of endeavors in life where you have coaches or teachers or leaders, you wait for your teacher, your leader, your coach to give you the instructions, what do we do? This wasn't one of those moments. We turned and ran. We didn't wait. We didn't want it. We didn't care what the coaches said at that moment. You know instinctively, get sheltered. Now, the irony was, or the power of the story is, the coaches were beating us to the locker room. <laughs> they hadn't waited for us. They were like, we're in. You know, but, but we know that. That's, that's instinctual, right? We, we know that in those times of need, or those times of storms, we, we seek shelter. That's, Jesus invites us in the power of his name to understand that we find that same presence, that same shelter, that same refuge in Him. And that's what we're going to explore, um, talk about for a few moments this morning together, the, the power of the, the name of Jesus, what that, what that means for us. And we're going to turn in a, in a few moments to Philippians chapter 2, just a few verses there in that part of, of what's known as a kenosis hymn, which again we'll talk about. But, but the theme, as you've picked up on, is the name of Jesus. Names, the power of a name. Name, a name, our names um, convey part of our identity. As we grow, we, we identify with our names. Sometimes we change our names to, to something that, that more resonates or that we, we identify with. But we do that. We identify people and kinds of people by names. Again, we've, I've said this before, but talk to teachers about what names, you know, m- things they conjure up, and it doesn't just teachers, anybody that's worked with a lot of people. You know, if I say certain names, you know, you can, you can read people by the look on their face, who they're thinking of, or the kind of person they're thinking of when they, when they hear a name, because we identify it, and, and they become kind of a unique part of us. But the reality is, for most of us, uh, we don't have singularly unique names. What I mean by that is, for me, example, I identify with my name Chris or Christopher, but I know I'm not the only Chris or Christopher. There's a lot of them. It's a fairly common name. Most of us have names that we're not caught off guard uh, if we meet somebody who shares that name. But there are some exceptions. There's some exceptions in our church. There's some exceptions in life. You meet somebody, you encounter a name, you go, wow, I've, I've never heard that before. That's a name that is unique to my experience. And, and those names are, are, are interesting because they really do 
maybe singularly connect to a, a singular individual. And so sometimes parents try to find names like that. You know, they don't want to use names like Christopher. And maybe you were like this. You didn't want to use names like Christopher or, or Stephen or, or um, Sarah or something that may be a common name. You looked for something that was unique. I started to look this week for some unique names. I'm going to kind of see what was that there. Yeah, you see where I'm going. Um, and so I started to look at what were some of the most unique names last year. There are organizations out there that study birth records. And look for the names that are most infrequently used. Names like for girls that were last year on the list were Amina and Luciana and Rosalind with a D. Not Rosalind, but Rosalind or, or Thalia. Those are some of the most unique names of 2016. For boys on the list was Arlo and Atticus, Canaan uh, and Lachlan. Those were, were unique names that probably if you met somebody with that name, that might be the only person you, you know who has that name. Not a given, but possibly. So looking for unique names led me to strange names. And so I think, okay, now th that's, a, that's a dangerous, this is dangerous territory, I get that. Because strange sounds derogatory, um, judgmental, and what some persons, you know, sometimes cultural names in one culture may sound strange, but another are very familiar. But there are some names that Maybe, you know, like I said, we have to be a little careful. When I was a kid, I remember reading in Acts the first time, reading about Dorcas. That was a name. And I can remember joking around with Dad. And like, oh, what a silly name, Dorcas. What a dumb name. And I remember him saying, hey, Chris, there's a woman in the church named Dorcas. And I went, oh, maybe I should be quiet. Um, you know, there are those kinds of names. One of the, the um, odd names, unique names, strange names for 2016 for a girl, Nimrat. N-I-M-R-A-T, Nimrat. Uh, for boys, Marvel and Lysander made the list. Now, here's what I know. We're going to have conversations after this because right now you're thinking of names. And you're going to come share them with me. Some of you will because I heard that. But, okay, but then it led me to one more thing. And that was the names that celebrities give their children. Ah, oh, the groans, yes, you know. And this was fun. I had some fun with this, so I had to share this with you. And some of you know, but some of the unique names, for instance, some of you may know these, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian, all right? Their last name, West, they had their little girl. What did they name their little girl? North, right, Northwest. Um, little different. Uh, Uma Thurman's daughter's name is Rosalind Arusha Arcadina Altoon. Florence. That's what I'm saying. How'd you like to sign that on a legal document every time? Um, uh, Soleil, Soleil Moon Fry. You remember Punky Brewster? Yeah, yeah. She named her kids Poet and Lyric. Those were their names. Poet, which actually I thought is kind of, kind of neat there. But then here's some of the fun ones that I found. Um, Penn Jillette. Penn and Teller. You know, the, the, the duo. Penn's um, daughter's name is Moxie Crime Fighter. <laughs> Jason Lee, if you know Jason Lee, the actor, one of my favorite movies is Almost Famous. Jason Lee was in Almost Famous. His, uh, I think it's son, uh, name is Pilot Inspector. <laughs> yeah, I see some of you shaking your head. All right, let me give you a couple of my favorites and we'll end this silliness. Uh, Nicholas Cage named his son Kal-El. You know what that's from? Superman. It's the Kryptonian name of Superman. Talk about a lot to live up to. Kal-El is his son's name. Jermaine Jackson. Who would have thought a Jackson would make this list? Um, 
named his son, this is my favorite, Your Majesty. <laughs> How about that? Your Majesty has entered the room. The last one, I think the one who m- many most think of when they think of naming their kids unique or different names, Frank Zappa. Okay? What were Frank's kids' names? Dweezil? Moon Unit? Dweezil, Moon Unit. And there was a third I didn't know about. Diva Thin Muffin. <laughs> Diva Thin Muffin, Dweezil, Moon Unit. You, now, here's the point. This is why I kind of went there. These are names that if you, if you met Your Majesty, if you met Diva Thin Muffin, um, if you met Pilot Inspector, it's safe to say you will only meet one in your entire life. That there is a singular person you would identify with that name. Now, jumping from the maybe the sublime to the ridiculous kind of thing to, to much more powerful and, and real for us is the name of Jesus that conjures up, that connects us to a singular individual. And Paul talks about that name in this section of Philippians chapter 2. Again, I'm not comparing the name of Jesus to um, moon unit, all right? Other than just the way that it connects us with a singular person in human history. And this is what Paul writes about that name in Philippians 2, Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. He says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends and sisters, we pray God's blessing here on the reading of his word. Let us pray. Lord, that we would um, hear your voice speak, um, challenge, comfort, encourage, whatever your word for us today, whatever you would have us to hear, that we would hear, that we'd be open, and that not only would our spirits seek to listen, but our hearts would be obedient to your word for us today and who we are called to be in Christ. For it is indeed in his name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, again, the names that I shared, unique, out of the ordinary, odd. I mean, there's a lot of ways we might choose to describe it, but I said they singularly connect to an individual, a singular person, like the name of Jesus for us. Except they're very, very different because there was nothing odd or out of the ordinary about the name of Jesus. Jesus is a common name, or maybe not say, maybe I shouldn't say is, was a very common name. When it was given to Jesus, it was not um, out of the ordinary. In fact, if Mary had come out in, in, the, in, in Nazareth as Jesus is growing up and yelled the name Jesus, there may have been a number of kids whose heads turned. Because the name itself is derived, it is the Greek version of a, of a Hebrew word, a Hebrew name. That name is Yahshua, for which we get the English translation, Joshua. So, Jesus, Iesus, is the Greek, which is, the, which is taken derivative of that Hebrew word, Yahshua, which then becomes for us, like I said, becomes Iesus, which then becomes Jesus. Very common. Very 
ordinary, if you will, when, when it was given to Jesus. In fact, Joshua and that variation would have been a popular name because of the connection to the Old Testament hero, uh, Joshua, the son of Nun, who, who became leader of the, the people of Israel after the death of Moses. So, to, so that name in and of itself would not have been extraordinary. In fact, the, the um, Jewish historian Josephus, who lived Baby, baby was the next generation after Jesus, uh, accounts in his writings nine or ten different historical figures with the name of Jesus. And even going a little bit further, the scriptures have a number of Jesuses found throughout. In fact, one of the most interesting I learned this week is that many um, biblical scholars believe that the name of the prisoner who was exchanged for Jesus at, the, at his trial, remember, do you know who that prisoner was? Remember his name? Barabbas, right but they believed that the name was Jesus Barabbas. So, so the point is, it, it was not in and of itself extraordinary. And I think that is such a powerful thing because it has become extraordinary for us. In fact, we don't hear because some shortly after the life of Jesus, in that Greek form, that name Jesus became um, singularly identified with the Christ, became a, wor- a, a name that in, in many cultures... Um, is not given. I've never known um, somebody with the first name Jesus, though there is in some Latin cultures the, the name Jesus, which is spelled the same. I remember the first time, uh, I, I kind of remember encountering that uh, as a child uh, growing up watching as a baseball fan in the early 80s when I was coming of age. Um, I like to watch the Phillies play. And the reason I did, because of names. Some of you know, because there was a third baseman for the Philadelphia Phillies, some of you remember, by the name of Mike Schmidt. And that was cool to me. That was a guy that had my last name. Maybe we're related. <laughs> um, I've never been able to prove it, but I'll hold hope. Um, and, uh, and so I, I like to watch the Phillies. My brother in this first Little League team that he ever played for played for the Phillies, and he wore number 20, which was Uncle Mikey's number. That's what we called him. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I, I identified, I enjoyed watching that. Well, the, the whole reason that, that I even bring that up is they had a shortstop in those early years in the 80s by the name of Ivan de Jesus. But I remember the first time I saw it spelled out on the screen. It's Ivan, D-E-J-E-S-U-S. And I thought, no, you can't have that name. That's Jesus' name. That's just for him. The reality is, in that time, it is now largely true, but it wasn't just for him. Jesus is another embodiment. That name is another embodiment of the way that God works in taking what is ordinary and making it extraordinary. Taking something that is everyday and and for us becomes sacred. That's the, the power of God at work. And when we speak that name in worship, when we gather and we, we sing hymns and songs of, of worship and praise and we speak the name of Jesus, we do it in a way of reverence because it connects us to the person of Jesus. The name is significant for us, not because of the name itself, but because it connects us with, with who Jesus is and what his truth is and what that means for us. And so we speak that name of Jesus, we are identifying, we are inviting the presence of Jesus to be with us. And that name is powerful on, on any number of ways. Walk into any group of your friends, any group of friends, church friends, unchurched friends, 
have a conversation, talk about anybody in the world, any name, any leader, any person, and then drop the name of Jesus into the conversation see how it changes. Because everybody will think of the same person. Now their thoughts, their ideas their, may be different, their opinions may be different, but we are all going to go to the same place or at least connect to the same to the same person. The name of Jesus is powerful. Well, why? What does that connect us to? When we speak it, when we raise our hands in worship, when we get down upon our knees and we pray in the name of Jesus, what are we connecting to? Well, Paul fleshes some of that out in this hymn. This, this kenosis hymn, Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Kenosis means self-emptying. And there's probably been more written about this section of Scripture than any section of Scripture in the New Testament. Because it was so important in, the, form, in, in the, the worship of the early church and their identity and their understanding of who they were. And so that's why we called it the Kenosis Hymn. It's a self-emptying hymn. It's a proclamation of faith. And it ends with these words that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The supremacy of Jesus, the power of that name. But Paul reminds us what it connects us to. And we see that. We're going to look at that in reverse. Because in verse 5, he says, In relationship with one another, have the same mind with you that is in Christ Jesus. We'll come back to that. But he says, talking about Jesus, Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, to be taken advantage of, to be used for his own purpose. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And he says this, And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself. And became obedient to death, even death on the cross. What do we connect to? We connect to the self-giving truth of who Jesus is. To the humility of Christ, which says that I will become less by stepping out of heaven into human history so that you can become more. I will step into the ordinary so that you can step into the divine, into the the everyday so that you can have the promise of, of eternity. Jesus humbles himself and he steps into our world and when we speak the name of Jesus we connect to that sacrificial love of God that is present in the person of Jesus we connect to the things that happen in the name of Jesus Jesus says in John 16 also in in 15 anything you ask ask it in my name in my name and it shall be given to you if you did a study of the scriptures you may ask yourself well what happens in Jesus's name What happens when people connect to the power of God through the name of Jesus? Well, this is what happens. Broken bodies are healed. In the name of Jesus, spirits are liberated from the brokenness and the possession of things that would separate them from God. Healing happens. Liberation happens. Freedom happens. Salvation happens. Restoration happens. That's what happens in the name of Jesus. Broken people are made whole inwardly and outwardly. And we can confess the name of Jesus, whether on our knees or standing in worship, we connect to the power that restores and reconciles and makes things new. That's what happens in the name of Jesus. The strong tower becomes our strength. Salvation becomes our gift. Healing becomes our truth. That's the name of Jesus. And over and over, the scriptures testify to it. In Acts chapter 3, on the day of Pentecost, Peter, 
after he's done preaching, heals a, a, a lame man, a man who was unable to walk. And as you can imagine, in the aftermath of that, there were a lot of people that were asking, how did this happen? How did this happen? And I want you to hear what Peter says in Acts chapter 3, verse 16. He says, and, and again, I like to read verses in reverse. He says, in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, and the faith that comes through him, this man has been completely healed, as you can all see. And I love that. He has been completely healed. What happens when we claim the name of Jesus? We find healing. But that's not just an external reality. It's an internal truth, a, a deliverance that we feel. In the verse right before that, in the section before that, he says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see has been made strong. And that's the verse I love. He has been made strong. What happens in the name of Jesus? We're made strong. Not by our strength, but the strength that is at work within us. What does Paul say in 2 Corinthians chapter 12? I will delight in persecutions and hardships and difficulties because when I am weak, then I'm strong. Paul, who heard God say through the power of Jesus, my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. In our weakness. In the, yeah, I heard somebody once say that God came for train wrecks. Jesus came for train wrecks. Yeah, because we're all train wrecks. In our train wrecks, in our messes, we talked about this last week, we experience the strength of God, the strength and the power of Jesus Christ. That's what happens in that beautiful name of Jesus when we confess it and open our hearts to it. But there's more. But there's more. Because we not experience the, the internal promise, but we begin to be shaped into an external reality of what life looks like in Jesus. Now, again, backing up the hymn, going to the very first verses of Philippians chapter 2. Paul says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness or compassion, basically if anything about Jesus has gotten through to you, if anything about Jesus is connected with you, has impacted you, this is what Paul says, make my joy complete by being like-minded. Like-minded with who? Well, with each other, but being like-minded with Jesus. He says, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Here's the key. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Do nothing out of conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. What happens when we connect with Jesus through the power of His name? We not, ex not only experience the internal promise of His strength and His healing and His hope and His restoration and His deliverance and His freedom, but we begin to be shaped so that our lives begin to resem resemble Jesus. We enflesh Him that means we begin to look like Him, live like Him, love like Him. But becomes an internal reality, becomes an external truth and, and evidence of the way that we live our lives. Have the same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. In humility, think of others above yourself. I started to think about the world that we live in, and I will confess to you my thought was, Lord, how much better 
would the world be if we lived like this? If we considered others above ourselves? If we lived in the humility of Jesus? How much better would the world be if we did that? I, I, don't we love to do this? If the world would only do that. Let me tell you what God spoke to me in that moment. He said, Chris, first I want to know this. How much better would the church be if we did that? Because it's really easy to say, gosh, we wish the world would do that. But let's be honest. We don't do it so well in the confines of our fellowship. I don't do it so well. I'm not, hear me, I don't do it so well. It's, it's, I know. Think of others above yourself. Think of others above yourself. Be like Jesus, one mind. I just don't do it very well. Human nature kicks in. Brokenness kicks in. Sin kicks in. How about, I think of me first, Lord, then maybe I'll get to them. Maybe I'll get to others. That's not the way Jesus did it. That's not the way we're called to do it. How much different would the world be if we started to model the humility of Jesus in our fellowship and let it carry on beyond our walls? I mean, our world is so broken. It is so fractured. We're so divided. We're so angry. And please, hear me say we. How much do we need to connect through the name of Jesus to the power of Jesus that begins to change our hearts so that we can live differently with those around us, that we can begin to enflesh Jesus, to reflect Jesus, to, to look like Jesus. The name of Jesus means God saves. Names have meaning. Those names have meaning. Jesus, God saves, and God fully revealed what that looks like in Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, the name that, that is above all names. Names have power. I remember years ago, Tony and I on our, on our honeymoon, I was going to say on our honeymoon right after we got married, but that's kind of obvious. Um, <laughs> on our honeymoon, we, we went on a cruise, and we had one day in Jamaica on our cruise, and we decided we were just going to, we were going to get a cab, and we were going to have this, this cabbie show us around the island, and he did. He showed us all around the island. We saw more of the island than we wanted to see, um, but I'll never forget getting in this cab. It was random, and he looked at us. What was his name? Do you remember? One Blood. He looked at us and he said, my name is One Blood. And then he said, because we are all one blood, Mon. That was what it was. We are all one blood. And it was great. And I remembered there was power. There was significance, not power. There was significance in his name. And as I said, he showed us all around the island more than we wanted to see. There was a lot of things in One Blood's blood. Um, and uh, it's a different story for a different time. But... Um, but th th there was significance in the name. The name of Jesus means God saves. Yahweh saves. It's not just what God saves us from, but it's what God saves us to. From the sins and brokenness and, and mistakes and hurts and pains of our lives, but to a life that reflects his humility and his love and his graciousness. And we need to start by getting that right in the church and letting that flow from beyond our walls. And beyond our fellowship. That's what happens when we speak that beautiful name of Jesus. We connect. And God connects with us. So Paul says, the name that is above all names. He also says in Romans chapter 10, the name by which we are all saved. The name by which we are all saved. The name above all others. Speak it so that you can be open to connect with the power that is behind it. The power of God's presence that saves us and changes us that liberates us and uses us, that flows within so that it may flow through. Let that be the truth of our lives, the evidence of our worship, 
and of the beautiful name of Jesus that we proclaim. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for your patience with us, your grace upon us, that as broken peoples, as described train wrecks, you've come for us. And in the name of Jesus, we are made whole. And we are called for special purpose to reflect that humility and that love, that hope and that joy. Help us to do that, Lord, to do it, to be like Jesus in all ways that others would may know of your love, the love that we proclaim in, here in this place. This is our prayer, and we pray it in your holy name. Amen.